just before we start this episode, just to let you know, we're talking about baby loss with our guest this week. If that's something that you might find tough, just skip along to another episode and come back when you might feel ready. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm good. Strictly is back. Yeah, that's all I've got to say. Well, I know you're going to be supporting Hugo Monnier. Like, what a dream partnership. I feel like, I feel like with OT... She's like the best coach. I think her, it's just her way she teaches. Like she did like an online thing actually during lockdown for kids. So like my kids were all over it and she was, she's just the best teacher. She's so good. So I feel like she's kind of got the masterclass there. So it's on him. Like if he messes it up, like, you know, he's got the best one. I am rooting for Judy Love as well because I just adore her. She makes me laugh so much. And yeah, she helped me get through lockdown with her quarantine date nights, which was hilarious on Thursday. And I adore AJ Adudu. I just adore her she's she's just a sweetheart but yeah so I've got I'm, my votes are torn between those three it's like <laughs> who do I vote for um, <laughs> it's yeah. nice to get a bit of a like I feel like it's a countdown to Christmas day I know people are gonna do hate at me for this but it's less than 100 days to go guys so we can feel festive <laughs> there's mince pies in the shops yeah, exactly. The shops are all over. I'm fine with it. This episode, we're going to chat, before we've got a guest on, we're going to chat about emotional intelligence because it's actually a really undervalued topic when it comes to marketing, PR and comms. We all know, like we talked about values of the week. We all know there's so many brands that like to say like, we're human, but this is perhaps like the biggest part of that. What do you think? PR, comms, marketing, and even our wealthy cousins and advertising, it's a people business, you know, and, and this is not saying if you're an introvert, you can't work in the industry. If you're an extrovert, you thrive better. No, it's a people business and you've got to figure out how you deal with people, especially if you want to continue to grow further in your career. The fact of the matter is, is that it's not just, for example, even the people you deal with in terms of the public or everything else. It's, it, it's thinking about even just the people you deal with in terms of like your colleagues and managing up and then managing along sideways it's a stakeholder management if you're in-house and you've got stakeholders to deal with if you're doing things like client relationships you're an agency all day it's about people and sometimes people can be exhausting people can be tiring everyone comes with their own stress and their own things that have gone wrong during that day and, and they've got their own moods they could have had a fight that morning with their partner the dog could have done a, a huge booby on the kitchen floor yeah, there's there's all sorts of things that go on in people's lives and and we never know what's going on in someone's life so yeah being able to have that emotional intelligence to manage people and talk to people and deal with people is a huge skill yeah I think it's also how like I guess as in marketing comms like how we represent our audiences and their emotions within our comms so it's like the way we deliver our campaigns and the language we use the tone we use also like if we're not the audience, how we stress test that language is so important. Like I'm talking with one group at the moment for a project and it's around like slang and, you know, it's quite regionalised. So that's really important to understand that because 
you're trying to engage them and people see through when it's kind of disingenuous also I think like from a business perspective it's like the policies we have in place and how we read the room and respect and respect people and think about what they're going through and and how we deliver that stuff and it made me think actually also of crisis comms so I've been in a couple of situations dealing with like some big issues and have had like HR and legal look over like a statement and like take every word out of it and you know it was kind of like asking Alexa to do a statement it just it took all the empathy and kindness from it and I think it's really important that as common people we kind of helpfully question like how would that be received by a group of people and I think you know when we think about some of the, the tragic cases recently really public Sarah Everard one for example it's how empathy has to be at the core of all those crisis messages and you don't have to have all the answers and all the solutions and everything set out but it's almost like giving space and like reading the room to recognize how people feel with things I think that's a really valid thing in comms we don't perhaps do enough yeah there's a video which actually by Simon Sinek and if you don't know who Simon Sinek is he's, he's an author and uh, he's also a public speaker and he wrote the book he's wrote many books like why leaders eat like uh, leaders eat last and the why book and another book but he he talked about something really interesting he said people take soft skills and hard skills and they put them against each other so soft skills being things like emotional intelligence empathy compassion kindness and maybe gratitude and those kind of skills and then they put them against people who are technical and they know how to do their jobs and they're good at public speaking and all that kind of stuff and they put them one against the other and actually it's not they're intertwined because if I'm a good public speaker and I'm delivering a town hall, great. But if I'm a good public speaker and delivering a town hall that is void of empathy, void of understanding my audience, void of compassion, then actually what message am I delivering? Is that message good? And if I'm a brilliant writer or a brilliant creative and I can create concepts and I can create amazing campaigns and come up with ideas and, and taglines, but those are all void understanding how my audience feels or being able to read the room or being able to do insight and focus groups talk to people and find actually what do they care about and does that really benefit does that really work in the real world so they have to be intertwined and and, and meshed I'm not saying you know we'll have to go and and be very woo-woo and and you know have this gut feeling and hold hands and think about but it's just being really mindful about actually what skills do I bring? What skills do I need to develop as an individual so that I'm much more tuned into how people feel and people's emotions? And I know there's that whole concept around sometimes people's energy. And I, I, I feel as well, there's certain people that I could meet once and I just know if I work with you, I'm going to be crying every day and sitting in a dark room listening to Etta James. For anyone who's not heard back from Harriet, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I know what you mean. There's like radiators and drains, right? They talk about that analogy, don't they? And like, I think it's so much about reading the room, isn't it? And like having that, people sort of talk about emotional intelligence and they kind of, it's in quite a dismissive way sometimes. But I think often just having that ability just to pause and kind of be considered is so important, particularly like in a, you know, when you're managing people or working with a big group of people. Often I would say about like campaigns and projects I do so much actually I would say like the biggest proportion of it is how you manage those relationships and client management more than sometimes the actual work it's about how you're really understanding them how you're reporting back because sometimes and you get this with like 
different members of staff sometimes they don't shout about their work or they present it back in a way that is maybe underselling it or not talking about it enough or they just don't tell you what they're doing and that's just them that's not them not doing the work so sometimes you have to really understand how different people like to be managed and worked with in sport when I used to work in sport a lot of the performance psychologists would talk about how they would work with a group of athletes and understand how they like to be supported during like big events like the Olympics so some would be like on a morning of a match or about whatever it is they like to go out they want to take themselves out of the situation go for coffee off site a walk some want all the details they want you to obsessively go through everything some will will be really chatty and it almost like everyone's really different and I found that really interesting around like how do you get a coach and a athlete to kind of best work through that because everyone's quite different I think that's the same in like a work situation as well I when I used to do a lot of media relations and I remember someone young coming into the organisation to work and I said to them, you need to figure out how these people like to approve statements, like to check things. Do you need to go up and talk to the person? There are some people I've worked with and they are brilliant at their jobs, but they do not read emails. For love more money, they will not read the emails. They'll probably read it three days later, four days later, but you need a statement signed off. Now, for those people, you have to send them a chat message. But that comes with understanding how does this person work and then not getting upset with them or annoyed with them because they're not reading your email. Maybe it's their work, the way they work. And I think in PR and comms, we work with a lot of journalists. And I know we've seen like journalists call out PR professionals and vice versa on the other side about sort of saying opening an email with I hope you're well and all those. But the thing is, I've been on the other side. I, when I used to work in the media house, is there have a thousand emails a day, 700 emails a day. There is no way I'm going to sit there and go through all those emails plus do the work. And I, and I think that's something we need to bear in mind. And, and it, it, it does take a lot. You have to build relationships with journalists so you're, you're front of mind for them as well. It takes time. And a lot of that is emotional intelligence and building relationships. And I know that dynamics change since we had the lockdowns and, and all the restrictions. You know, people are in different places and it's important to ask those questions from people. You know, what are you comfortable with? Some people may be comfortable going for a coffee now, whereas others may still not be comfortable even leaving the house and they want to do everything still online, but they still want to have that interaction with a PR or to find out what the campaigns are going on but it does take time and, and I think sometimes even from a client side or a stakeholder side they can think they're just fanning about talking to journalists all the time like where's the coverage but those relationships take so much time to build I remember somebody saying to me you know it's taking a really long time to get this coverage out and blah 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 and I was like yeah, because I have to build the relationship, but also the timing has to be right for the journalist to do the piece of work. I used to track it, so I remember starting to do a tracker around like it was kind of output, but it, I started linking it to like the work done. So like the calls, the coffees, the sometimes sending bits of information or inviting them to a site because it, then it would lead to a feature. Just so that some months we didn't have much coverage, I could still say like, "Hey, this is what we've done," and that might lead to something three months down the line because I was trying to like grow kind of the output but I think that's yeah that's definitely part of it but yeah emotional intelligence I think it's just something that it should be seen as like a really important part of your toolkit yeah and just remember you never know what someone's going through you can come with all your excitement and and energy and somebody's not feeling it and you're like they're horrible they're rude they're this they're that and you just don't know what someone's going through (laughs) 
Emma, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on. I feel like I'm a proper fangirl with you two coming on, on this podcast. It's lovely to be on it. Oh, thank you. We talk a lot about developing skills and interests alongside or outside of work. Tell us a little bit about why you started the Hopes and Dreams podcast. Well, I've been quite open that I'm someone that's gone through recurrent miscarriage myself. And after I had my fourth loss last summer, I was in a really dark place. So when I lost another baby in January this year, and still at the midst of sort of COVID and the pandemic, I just felt like I needed to do something that would sort of prevent me going back to that dark place. And I'd been wanting to do a podcast for ages. And I just thought I actually just need to make it happen now and just do it. I don't want to think about it anymore. I just want to do it. And I just wanted to create something positive out of my own sort of sadness and miscarriage and baby loss can leave you feeling very isolated and alone so my hope was that through talking about people's experiences including my own I could offer people a lifeline um, something to listen to put their headphones in have a bath just listen to you know an intimate conversation as if they were in it with friends to make them feel less alone and make them understand that their feelings were valid and that's that's sort of why I did it and it's sort of grown from there really. It's obviously extremely personal and I guess really sometimes it's really hard to share something of yourself so personal in a public way. How have you found that experience? Has it helped you as well as kind of helping other people? Yes it's actually helped me more than I ever thought it would. Like I knew it would kind of give me a focus but I actually have found it very therapeutic at the same time just sort of talking through my own story in perhaps more detail with people and amazingly it has helped other people more than I ever could have imagined the messages I've had from people saying that it's been really amazing to listen each fortnight and hear other people going through something similar has been really rewarding and then on the other side of it something that's been surprising is people that perhaps know me quite well and know my story to a certain extent but listening in and hearing other people it's kind of given them a bit more understanding about what it's like and educated them to then know how to better support their friends or colleagues or family members going through something similar and so that's been the sort of added bonus to it and even people you know I talk a lot about it even on my personal work twitter about miscarriage and and mental health and stuff and people that have been through it 10 20 years ago have messaged to say oh it's you know, it still stays with you. So they found it, it useful as well. So it's been surprising where it's kind of helped people, including myself, really. Although baby loss is talked about more now, it feels like we're somewhat behind. We noticed Channel 4 have been early adopters of miscarriage and baby loss leave as part of the HR policy. What more do you think needs to be done? I think it's a start and that there, there definitely is more people talking about it. You know, you've got podcasts like Giovanna Fletcher's, which is amazing, and people like Channel 4 and Monzi I think and then maybe even John Lewis have set up policies but I think it needs to be across the board HR policies are there for like care leavers and things but miscarriage and baby loss affects so many women and men and I think if there were policies in place it would bring a cultural shift where people could talk about it more and there's more support mechanisms to sort of say to people it's okay to take some time off rather than having to to take sort of sick leave but for there to be support for people and I think it would as I said open up a cultural where we can talk more about it and support colleagues and people going through it yeah I think I've never shared this before I experienced baby loss many many years ago and I was a freelancer and I was a journalist at the time so you're not in a newsroom environment where you are so you can't pitch your stories the same way because you're at home recovering and it's very difficult whereas now being in a sort of full-time employed job you can actually use sick leave and something like that but at the same time also you may not want to talk about it so if it appears on the you go to the doctor and then they write you a sick certificate 
you have to write it on the certificate and you have to submit that into work and you may not even want your employer or your manager to know that information so there's still a lot of stigma and taboo around it especially if maybe even there's all other sorts of things so for example if you're in a role and you want to go for promotion but you also don't want people to know maybe you're trying for a baby there's just so much complexity around asking for time off and going through things and yeah it, it's still very kind of taboo and then you come back to work and people ask oh, what's wrong and you yeah so there's a lot of yeah from my point of view I think it, it is very difficult especially the way people are working now more than ever like people choosing to be freelance choosing to run their own businesses there's a lot more complexity around it and I think it, it needs to be across the board and people need to be more I think having those conversations so you lead a social media team as part of your day job at Glasgow University has developing a podcast helped you in anything in the works I guess my job is around storytelling and creative sort of content strategy so yes it does but normally I'm involved in sort of coming up with ideas I don't maybe I'm not the one to film I'm the one maybe coming up with some ideas behind it so for me it's been a really lovely process to sort of come up with something from scratch and actually build it and deliver it it's, I found that really enjoyable from you know drafting questions and finding a sort of structure and then crafting it and producing it it's been sort of really rewarding my team don't do a podcast at work but I definitely picked up skills that I can use if we choose to at some point and I, I would love to it's just a case of time and resource because we spend a lot of time on on the sort of video storytelling but I think with creating a podcast is is also about as I said that structure and and I think you can see how stories come together so I think it's definitely helped in terms of building that sort of creative process even more like I've, in, I've just enjoyed the whole part of it which you guys will understand doing this yeah it's a bit addictive isn't it Harriet <laughs> it's not it is lovely though coming up with that idea and thinking could this be something would anyone want to listen will anyone get anything and I mean as obviously a lot less personal and it's more kind of like a worky thing but we felt it was a bit like a space of something I guess real and relatable um, and definitely with your podcast I think because podcasts are listened to you know I think 90 something percent of people listen to them on their own I think certainly through the topic you're covering it gives that very personal experience and opportunity for people whether that's like they're in the car or just having some time on their own to listen and experience something and I think that is something pretty special podcast do you have any advice for other people who have been thinking about sharing something personal as part of their podcast or blog because I know we've talked about it before about you know how you you might need to sort of protect your own kind of feelings and space, particularly when you're sharing something so personal. Like, how would you advise people go about it? It's scary being vulnerable. I, I've talked about in sort of detail about the physical side of what I went through, but also quite a lot around post-traumatic stress disorder and having depression and, and, and suicidal thoughts at one stage. Last year when I had sort of my breakdown after my fourth one mixed with COVID, it wasn't just miscarriage, it was the whole thing merged together. So I've, I've been definitely, it's quite nerve-wracking making yourself vulnerable and talking about those things when perhaps people don't know, because it's very easy to have a smile on your face and mask things when you don't actually feel that great underneath but I'd say if you feel comfortable generally talking about something then just go for it and on a subject that you feel really passionate about which I do is to raise awareness around it is that just go for it I'm not that techie like that's not my skill that's not my forte but I've learned I've learned things and just to take a risk and try it and you were so helpful Becca when I was planning it to give me advice on kit and what to do and you know speak to people that are already doing it get advice from them and just go for it and it doesn't have to be perfect in terms of the tech like if it's a good story or a good topic people will listen to it 
And I think that is definitely something. It's the same with video. If you want to do something, if it's a great story you're telling, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to be a good story. And as long as you can hear the person and it's not like wind whistling in the background, you know, I sometimes have my dog barking in the background and, and stuff, but that's authentic. And I think that makes people feel more like they're listening in to you. And with my podcast, I want it to feel, and that is the feedback I've been given, is it feels like that person listening is in a conversation with those two friends, me and my guest and they feel like they're having a private chat about something but you know getting that information from us which is what I wanted to do I think the biggest thing is like you know I spoke to quite a lot of people who kind of ask about podcasts and getting started but you actually did it and I think that's that big thing and it sounds easiest but like to just start recording because hearing your own voice and getting over all of that and just going right well I've done it now and it's out there and it's it has to grow from somewhere and and you see people all the time saying like just start but it it is actually like the biggest leap isn't it to just put yourself out of them and kind of get going if you don't do it you never will so it's just a case of just do it try it and it can improve and I'm sure I have improved doing them I've, I think I've grown in confidence like I didn't naturally feel comfortable as the host it felt a bit alien to me and I did a, a sort of pre a pre-episode sort of introduction to my story because I thought people will be like Giovanna Fletcher Fern Cotton they're well-known people people know their their story and their why they're doing things but I wanted to do one to sort of show why I was doing it and I, I didn't want people to think oh who's this what does she know about the subject kind of thing and so what next for the podcast so I finished season one about a month ago and I was just having a little bit of a breather while my daughter started primary school and work is particularly crazy at this time of year so I'm just having a little breather and then I've already started in my head planning for season two I hope that I'll have a maybe a few more well-known people the first season was my friends because just to get me feeling comfortable and also to show that it happens to so many people amazing stories and all my friends and also probably I think getting some more male voices in there too because it obviously does affect men as much as it does women and maybe obviously not in the physical sense but in the mental sense and emotional sense so it'd be good to get some more male voices on there and maybe also hopefully some brands or people to talk about policies and that kind of thing maybe maybe mix it up a little bit but I'm still in the sort of planning stages hopefully to bring it back in maybe October is the plan oh, exciting so we've got any brands or any people who have kind of experienced this and kind of want to get involved or could help Emma um, find some amazing guests please get in touch it's hopes and dreams podcast and we'll link it up in the show notes thanks very much Emma that's everything thank you so much for having me on Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at Harriet Smalzy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.